Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, it's 2016. Happy New Year's. Okay, everybody's kind of in the funk, aren't we? But isn't it good to have a week, Christmas to today, when you, you can just... Don't worry about getting up, and you're not even sure if it's a Monday or Tuesday or when. But that's a great gift, isn't it? Well, it is Sunday. I guess you knew that. And tomorrow we got to set our alarm clocks to go back to work. All right, so there we go. So I think it's a, appropriate that as we think about the start of a new year, we ought to talk about resolutions. And so this morning I asked the... Uh, earlier worship service about who made resolutions and who didn't, and and here's what we found out. A quarter of the 915 crew said they did make a resolution. Another quarter said they didn't, and the other half, well, they just sat there and didn't respond at all. So we're going to give it another shot, okay? So who's in the room made a resolution of some kind this year? Say yes. Okay, that came out pretty strong, better than the 915. Who didn't? Say yes. I came out stronger. I asked our worship team this morning when we were in prayer before the service, said, you guys make resolutions. They all just looked at me and they said, nah, we, we gave up on that a long time ago. Well, whenever you have a question, and I did, about resolutions, who do we turn to? Well, you turn on the old iPhone and ask Siri, right? That's what we do nowadays. So I said, Siri, what percentage of people? intentionally try to keep their New Year's resolution. And according to Siri, for those that said yes, 57% of you will make at least some effort in keeping your resolution. So way to go, 57% of you. And then we asked, you know, what what are the top resolutions that people give? And, And the top one, it seems that it has to do with family and friends. You know, we want to spend more time with our family, more time with our friends. And that makes sense, given the world, the kind of chaotic world that we live in, uh, that we want to connect to our people that are important to us. And the second thing that came out had to do with healthy living. And it seems that people want to eat healthier, exercise more, and so forth. Now, if that's you, I got something for you. We're offering a class called Transform. Did you happen to see this as you came in the room this morning? It's about, you know, living a healthier lifestyle and, and thinking differently about our health. And um, Cheryl Parker came to me uh, a number of months ago, said that this is something that she was interested in, wanted to teach it. And so we gave the green light to it. And, and then Austin Alvarez came up, and he, he's a nutritionist. He was, he's going to help. And then the question was, Jay, are you going to take the class? I said, no. I like King Donuts way too much. If y'all eating King Donuts, by the way, mm. and then I like to reward myself when I go to Publix because um, you're where they check out the Hershey bars with the almonds in it. That's a good reward for anybody that goes to Publix shop. So I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a junk food junkie, and I said no, and then I've been signed up for it, man. I have no intentions of being in that class by myself. Some of you don't show up, I'm going to sign you up. So that starts on Thursday, and actually I think it is a value that we think about our food. But when we think of resolutions, basically what we're doing 
is that we're, we're taking a self-examination. And we look at opportunities for improvement. You know, what's, what's one area or two areas that, that I can improve in in my life for the new year? And uh, while there are many opportunities, I, I want to bring one to you for your consideration. And it has to do with fear. Interesting, isn't it? Um, I think something has happened to us as a culture where we become a culture, particularly in Christian community churches, where fear has taken root, an unhealthy sense of fear. And if I were to look back, I think that as, at, you know, 9-11 was kind of the cause of it, um, uh, and then it's just seemed to gain momentum through the years, and now we live in a fear-based culture. Now, before you think that I'm about to be a counselor, I'm not. Fear shows up repeatedly through Scripture. Over 300 times, you'll find the word fear. Over 150 times, you'll find the phrase fear not. And properly understood, fear is actually a, a very good good emotion. God gives it to us to, to keep us safe. And we also know that uh, we're repeatedly instructed to fear the Lord. And so fear, in some ways, is, is a good emotion. But at times, fear can become unhealthy. Fear can become toxic. And I have a definition for you about toxic fear. You might want to write it in your notes or not, but it's one that I've come across. And basically, toxic fear is this. It's an insecure view of the future which forgets God, and that's the key part of it. It's when we leave God out of it. We edge God out of of our lives and how we see the world. And then it produces a life of self-protection. So it's an insecure view of the future that forgets God and leads us to a life of self-protection. And we see this as an example in Scripture in Proverbs 29-25 where the, 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 the writer says, the fear of man is a trap. So how do we know what are some of the behaviors that would indicate that we're living out of fear? Well, let me give you some suggestions, and maybe you can resonate with this. Uh, it, for some people, it's, it's just uh, not willing to be obedient to God. Now, that might not be living in sinful patterns, but in many cases, God says, hey, I, I, I need you to apply your gifts, your ability, your talents to this situation. But fear keeps us from being obedient to God. There are times when fear creeps up in our lives when, uh, when we have those positive steps that we need to take in life that fear keeps us from. Sometimes fear keeps us living under the bondage of false prophecies when people have said to you, you're not smart enough, you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, and we buy it. For others that we hide behind positions, some in this room have fairly significant positions in your employment, and we tend to hide behind those positions in life to give us security. Some for others, it's we hold with information from others. In others, we try to intimidate people to do what we want them to do. We try to hoard control. We discourage honest feedback. We really don't want people to tell us how we're really doing. 
And for many of us is that we hide behind this mask because we really don't want people to know what we're really like. Fear. So my questions are as follows. If you look on the screen, I have some questions I'd like for you to think through as we move through Psalm 56. How often does some form of fear dominate our inner conversations? Think about that. If we're sitting in private, fear can grab grab hold of us. What if alongside our our fears and tears, we place a declaration of trust, a trust in a God who gathers our tears and records them? But what if we stood in that declaration instead of our fear of an uncertain future? You know, the the future is uncertain, isn't it? Uh, Some about four years ago, I was uh, able to attend a leadership conference, and one of my, my favorite leadership guys that I read, Jim Collins, was there, and and I was uh, had the opportunity to go back and and for a lunch to you know be with Jim Collins, and so I went back to this lunch and had these high leverage CEOs, and quite honestly, I felt like a pig at a beauty pageant. I mean, I was out of place. I just kept my mouth shut and the whole thing. But listen to Jim, and the question was asked, uh, hey, Jim, when are we going to return to normal? You know, and we knew what we were talking about with, of, you know, the, of the economy and the world uh, security and so forth. And Jim Collins said, this, this is it. This is normal. I thought, oh, my, I didn't want to hear that. And second is I need a new leadership guru that I'm going to listen to now, you know. So what does the Bible say about it? Well, in Psalm 56, I invite you to find that uh, chapter in your Bibles, where they turn them on or, or open your Bibles. I'm reading from the, the English Standard Version. So I invite you to follow along as I read Psalm 56 to hear what David has to say about fear. So we start in verse 1. He says, Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. Now stop there. Do you ever feel that people just stomp on you all the time? That's what David was going through. And he continues on. He says, All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh, some translation says, what can man do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape? Wrath cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. Now, if I were you, I think I'd underline that phrase. It's a great phrase. God is for me. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. 
For you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of my life. So as we look in this passage of Scripture, what do we learn about fear? And and all throughout this passage, David says, I will not be afraid. And it's obviously he's under distress, but for some of us we think, well, you know, that's easy for David to say that. He's king, right? I mean, if you got an army, if you got the palace, if you got all the material wealth in the world, yeah, you can say, I'm not afraid. But when David writes this passage, he's not the king yet. Still others say, sense that this is a, a call of bravado. You know, if you've watched the football games, probably, yeah, have you been watching some of them? Okay. So, you know, when the players go out right before they kick off and they're on the sidelines, they're beating their chest like this. They're working themselves up. But we're going to win this game. Some of us men did the same thing. We went shopping. We, we're going to go shopping. We're going to buy something she likes. You know, we did that, right? So we, But here's what's going on. David, he was working through emotions in his life. He's not the king yet, and he, as you read this passage, he's a guy that was very human. As he's working through the feelings and vacillating between fear and faith, anger and trust. Now, to understand this psalm, I need to put it in historical perspective. And I invite you to read, when you go home, read First Samuel chapters 21 and 22. Okay, just read it when you get home, and that will put it in historical perspective. But let me just uh, summarize it. It talks about David, who was one of the great warriors for King Saul. Uh, And he was so effective and so popular that King Saul viewed David as a threat and determined to kill him. And you remember that Jonathan, a good friend of, of David's, came with the news and basically said, my dad is going to kill you. And so David literally had to run, and he had nothing other than the clothes that was on his back. He had no food. He had no weapon. He didn't have a friend. He first went to a town called Nob. Now, what happened in Nob? Well, Nob, there was a priest that, that stored Goliath's sword. This is important. Remember Goliath? David took him out, right? Well, that's where David's, I mean, David took the sword. That's where it was. And the Bible describes it as that there was none like that sword. That's important for the next step in the journey because David left Nob and he went to Gath, the Philistine city where Goliath grew up. Now, you get the picture, right? Here comes David carrying the sword of their hero coming into their town. So what do we know? David's alone. David is desperate. I mean, after all, what would, you know, he's found more security in going into a hostile territory than staying around his home. David was afraid because in order to survive, he had to act as if he was insane. How many times in your life have you ever felt alone, desperate, and afraid? All of us. 
So what was it? What, what, what did David learn that moved him from fear to trust? And there's some important lessons here I want you to connect to. I, I, I need to connect to them as well. So the, the first lesson is he understood the nature of who God was. Now, and it's found in the word that he used for God. For us in our culture, names really have no meaning. I mean, other than to designate, okay, you're Bill, you're Bob, you're P, whatever. I mean, names really don't mean that much in today's culture. Uh, and the same thing is for when we use the word God. You know, we, you know, the word God just means God. It's Lord. It's the supreme, you know, who I, who I give in my life to. But in the Old Testament, names carried far more significance, particularly the names that were used for God. And what happened is, is that whenever the people of Israel leaned on God, when people leaned on God, they learned a new trait, a new character trait of who God really was. And then they gave God, they understood God in that name. Let me, let me define it like this. We've heard the name El Shaddai. El Shaddai means God Almighty. And some think it stresses God's lovingness and his comfort for us in a time of need. El Elyon means God Most High, and it stresses God's strength, his sovereignty, his supremacy. El Elyon has the idea that God is an unchangeable God. But in this passage, David uses the word Elohim. And Elohim has the idea a strong one. That God is the strong one that in a moment when life has come off its hinges, when life is at the most difficult time of life, when I'm tending to go toward fear, I need to know that God is the strong one. Now, how do you get to know that? You can't get to know that through extension. In other words, you can't get to know that through somebody else's life. Now, when we hear somebody's testimony, it inspires us, it encourages us, right? But the only way that we experience it personally is in the crucible of life. Personal experience. I'll give you an example when probably the first time when the Lord was really real to me uh, in the early 80s, 1982, 83. Well, that's a long time ago, wasn't it? Uh, I was at Shorter College up in Rome, and for those that were alive in that period or old enough to remember, that was a that was a tough time in our economy. And uh, so, started my junior year, and I was reminded, said, "Hey, uh, Jay, you still owe some money for tuition, but we're going to let you go to class, but you've got to pay it by the end of semester." So, all right, I got it. And it, it always amazed me. This is before technology. They seemed to to know I didn't pay it, and they frequently put these little reminders in my box. You know, you know we we like our money. Okay, talk to my dad and say yeah, we'll, we'll get it. Well, uh, November, I went home and and uh, said, Dad, uh, you know, tuition's due. I said, Well, Jay, I lost my job. Wow. Okay. 
Well, the good news is I don't have to worry about finals. You can't take finals with your own money. So went back to school, and I thought, okay, boy, you know, what, what am I going to do? And so really for the first time in my life, I, I had to really seek the Lord and say, God, I, I don't I don't. What am I going to do about this? Well, I was walking on the sidewalk, and I heard somebody in the business office there on the second floor pounding on the window. And she did this. I know I owe it, honey. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'll, I'll get out of the dorm. So I went up, and you, you know how you make the story up, like, mm, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get it for you. know. Like, so I walk in, and I was, I was kind of sheepish. She goes, hey, uh, listen, uh, we, we forgot to tell you, we, we, you got a scholarship. November. I said, really? I said, yeah, it's going to take care of you next two years. Really? So I walked out of the room. I said, that's pretty cool. Now, God, remember those finals that I haven't yet studied for? I need, it looked awfully bad to fail out of school, you know, for scholarship. You know, here's the cool thing is that that's whenever God showed that he's the provider. And what has happened throughout my life is that I've had to go back to that lesson. You see, that's what happens in our lives. God shows himself. He confirms who he is. And then we move on in life and we have different challenges. Guess what we have to do? Okay, that's, that's, that's where God showed up. In my life. That's what I learned about him. And if he didn't fail me then, guess what he's going to do today? He's going to meet that. Fear forgets God. So we learned about the nature of God. And then the other thing that was interesting is the fact that God is he's not immune from our heartaches. Now notice in verse 8, very interesting uh, a verse where he talks about, put my tears in your bottle. What does that mean? Well, in the ancient days, it was customary for a king to keep record of significant events that occurred so that he can go back and visit them. So they put the scrolls, right? They write the event on the scroll. Where were they keeping to keep them safe? In a bottle. Well, here's what basically uh, that David is saying. God List my tears in your scroll. And the meaning is that God will never forget or be indifferent to the cares of our lives. Many have bought this lie of that the deist, that God has, you know, just basically round this world up, put it into motion, and has just basically left us. No! We have a God who understands who understands our tears and has put our tears in our bottle and is never indifferent to the circumstances that we're in, ever. But then here's the next idea, and you see it twice. You see it in verse 4 and verse 10 where he says, in whose word I praise. What does that mean? Well, Basically, it has to do with I I center my thoughts, my emotions around what God's word says rather than our culture. And here's what I'm seeing. This is particularly true in, in, in Christianity, in, in, in this, this country particularly, is that instead of, of, of drawing on the assurances of God's word, 
What we do is that we, we look to, to people's perspective and public opinions rather than what God says. And what's happening is that we've really not paid attention to God's word and we've not read his word for ourselves. And so we're really not sure what God says about a situation. And what I'm seeing is that we have, a, 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 in our Christian culture, people who are buying into popular statements and saying that's where the, that's in the Bible. And I'll give you one of the real far out ones that a deacon in a church said as he was smoking a cigarette. But he said, you know, the, the good book says that moss doesn't grow on rolling rocks. How many of y'all have heard that? It's not there. It's not in the Bible. But this is what's happening in our culture is that we have little pithy statements like that that are not scriptural, and we assume that that's biblical truth. And I'm having more and more conversations around this. Or the other thing that's happening, because we're not familiar with, with the Word of God, is that we're, we're really at risk of being our faith being sabotaged or hijacked by those who propone to be preachers or not. And usually this is on what you find on TV. You'll, you'll, you'll see a popular preacher, somebody that will get on, and, and they'll, they will take Scripture and they use it and twist it for their own devices and usually for their own wallet. And, and we don't know the Word of God enough so that we know what the truth is. So here's my challenge for you. Here's my challenge for you. This year, what would it look like, you know, since we all said we're making those resolutions, right? What would it be like if we said, I'll read the Bible this year? Now, it takes 15 minutes a day. And we give grace when you come to First Chronicles, when it has all the begats, we give you grace on that part, right? You can skim that one, all right? But what would happen if you said, you know what, I'm going to do it. So, you know, if you go to, into your, you know, if you have the, the digital version of the Bible, they'll help you on it. They'll help you find a, a reading plan that will help you grow in your faith. But now here's another thought that we find. And it's, it's very interesting in verse 9 where he says, then my enemies will turn back. Did you see that? Now, what he, what he meant is it is not that his enemies all of a sudden just packed up and left and not that he just was in a moment of tranquility. There were still battles. What, he, what it means is that God gives us room or breathing space when we think that we can't stand anymore, God gives us space. For example, in Psalm eighteen nineteen, he said, He brought me out of the spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. In Psalm 31, 8, You have not handed me over to any, but you have set my feet in a spacious place. And here's what I think happens in our lives, and it's, it's really by what happened to a dear friend of mine who, at 63, uh, found himself looking for a new church. He was a pastor. 
And, uh, you know, 63, it's hard to find a church. And he also had to put his son into a rehab center. I said, how are you doing? His response was, he said, Jay, I am at my fringes. I don't know if I can go any further. He said, but... God will not put on me more than I can handle. And it's amazing when we're at that moment of life, just how God speaks into our world and gives us the grace that we need to continue on. Now, I want to speak to a few of you. Some of you have, have been dealing with this thing called depression. We're, we're looking at resources to help. A couple weeks ago, someone sent a card that says, I, I'm depressed. It's an unfortunate, it's anonymous. He says, I'm depressed. I'm suicidal. I need help. And I don't know who it is, but if that even describes you, don't you give up. Don't you give up. There's help. There's a God who cares deeply for you. You have a church that deeply cares for you. Don't you give up. And you'll find that God gives you the space that you need, the grace that you need, just to live. Does that make sense? And so, uh, you know, church, we, we got a lot of folks that hurt like that, don't we? But here's the other thing that we find that was uh, key to this is that David was committed to walk before God. And that, you know, the key is, you know, in verse 13, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Now, that has the idea of continued action daily. Just every day striving to be the man and the woman that God calls us to be. And what, what happens is that we know chaos is coming. We know that we're going to hit it. We know we're going to have some struggles, and we fear it sometimes. But if, if our journey, for those who are Christians, you know, sometimes we, we follow God tangentially. You know, he's, we just kind of put him over here, but he's not the core. Well, when tragedy hits, guess what happens? We don't have the foundation that Andrew was talking about during his prayer time. But the key is that daily, habitually, we will set our hearts into walking before the Lord, who is our life. And because of that, I do not fear, because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So you're living in fear or you're living in trust. Not just one of those decisive moments, is it? Sometimes it's a daily thing. But the resolution for the day is to live toward trust. Now, here's what I want you to do. Um, for some in the room, you're not, not really sure where you stand spiritually. And uh, you, you're not even sure if, if, what it means to be a follower of Christ. And we'd love to talk with you about that. And if you want 
some information about how you can make Jesus Christ your Redeemer, your Forgiver, the Lord of your life, why don't you just put that on a communication card? When we pass the baskets, you just put your name, just tell I want to become a Christian, talk to somebody about being a Christian. Put in that basket, and we'll follow up with you this week. For others, uh, it might be just, Lord, um, give me the grace that I need today. And you might want to put that on your communication card as well. But we want to give you time. And the band is coming up, uh, and they're going to come and prepare to lead us and, and worship through song in just a minute. But it could be that the best thing that we can do at this moment is just pause. And, and pause and just say, Lord, I've been living in fear, living in toxic fear. Help me move toward trust. Lord, I've got some heavy stuff in front of me, but you're my sufficiency. Let's take a moment and take our fears to the Lord. Let's pray together. So, Father, Lord, we look at the events of the world. We feel so helpless sometimes. It feels that things are out of control. But you're God. You're Elohim. You're our strong one. For some in the room, their concern is and fear is for their children. Father, remove fear and in it put trust in you. For those that are facing uncertainty, may we do it in the confidence that you will never leave us or forsake us. So, Father, thank you that you split in us a a spirit of victory and remove fear. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you'd like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword dogwood to 779-77 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and more. 